0: About uh, a, a a fixed order or a destined succession, and so that is uh, so. Beautiful when you understand that there is a reason that those terms were used, and then if a person starts getting into the the deep of the, the you know the depth of the Bible on all these things, uh, you know uh, where people are in the the applications of uh, my only begotten Son and and uh, uh, one God, one Lord, one baptism, uh, people you know begin to get really confused. Because they're they're applying these terms uh, in a single. Um Uh, application as though they are all uh, absolute when in fact uh, most of those terms I am mentioning are not absolute terms and they're not intended to be absolute terms or conveyed to be absolute terms or manifested to be absolute terms because there is so much more of the word that is to be given so let's just go back over this again because this is an important scripture and we don't want anyone to miss it we have, we have, Jesus Christ as the proxy, which is instead of forerunner uh, for us, uh, to the intent of being one mind, to the intent of being one mind. You know, um, uh, is is for us entered is for us inner uh, uh, to the intent of being one mind is how it really says it and that is so much broader that is so much uh, more spiritually sophisticated uh, to the intent of being one mind because that now brings us back into the one mindedness that we have uh, of the father uh, of of the son of the holy spirit uh, and included within that trinity uh, is uh, uh, the person the Melchizedek which we will, in our um, expounding, uh, get into how that that all ties into the Trinity. So it's it's just all absolutely uh, intense, uh, deep, beautiful, challenging, and learning. And so, if you want to look at intent of being one mind, uh, I want to make sure I give you the right uh, lexicon on that. Um, The the right lexicon would be uh, in the Greek um, uh, Strong's Greek um, Concordance, uh, number 1525, which is from the uh, root uh, of uh, or vice versa of 1519. So you look up those two, 1525, 1519. Uh, to get the intent of being one mind, and forgetting the uh, part about the destined uh, or the fixed succession uh, to Melchizedek, you look up the term 1510. Okay, so let's read this one more time. Jesus Christ is a proxy for us to the intent of being one mind by destined succession to Melchizedek of eternal priesthood. Uh, that is that is exciting. That is really, really exciting. So now we're going we're gonna to delve in. I've got all kinds of um, really neat stuff to read. Uh, but um, <clears throat> I'll have to move along because I do have a lot to cover. And uh, uh, we'll just come back to these scriptures. I'll set them aside. You hear a little bit of crinkling of the pages. Well, that's what I'm doing. Just setting it aside. Alright? Now, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 5. We're going to come across a lot of interesting things as we stroll through uh, these verses. And we'll start with chapter 5, verse 5. So also... Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. There is a lot in that one verse. We understand by the words of, of Jesus in the, in the Gospel of, of John that Jesus was totally set on not following his own well, but on following the well of his Father, which was in heaven. Don't get confused on that word heaven, because there are lots of heavens. And just because we say heaven, that does not mean, you know, the highest heaven. That does not necessarily mean where people are going to end up uh, at the close of the universe, um, which uh, the manifest teachings call it the first domain. Um, The word uh, domain uh comes from the word kingdom, the kingdom of God the kingdom within kingdom uh when you say kingdom dom uh, is a is a, a an abbreviation for domain. So when we talk about the first domain, we're talking about you know the kingdom, the first kingdom, uh, the first domain, and we're talking about that as being what is called in the scripture the heaven of heavens. Um, there is there is the heaven uh, that is capital H, and then there are the many heavens that are not capitalized, because they can be anything from like it describes in the first chapter of Genesis. It can just be the sky, which is uh, part of the earth environment. And then you can have uh, space that's called heavens, and then other planets and other star systems can have heavens. And then sometimes, um, uh, because of, uh, of a um, directive that comes from some um, understanding uh, that is a sacred understanding, uh, a planet could actually be called heaven, uh, sort of like a paradise, uh, like a heaven on earth type of thing. So... Um, now, let's, let's take this first. We're in verse 5. So, S-O, also Christ glorified not himself. That's always interesting when um, uh, you have an also in front of a noun such as, as Christ. You know, Um but just prior to that mention um, it talked about uh, no man taketh this honor unto himself but he that is called a God as was Aaron uh, so also um, Christ um, uh, glorified not himself I, I know there is a real important real importance um And we'll see how all of this ties into the two witnesses. Just be patient with us, please. Um, But there's a real importance of trying to understand the will of God uh, versus your will. Uh, A very important Christian aspect of of being able to um, not seek uh, to be glorified or rec, uh, recognized as special above other people um, just waiting on God uh, if God decides to bring you forward uh, then God does it if he doesn't you're you're happy and you're content wherever God is leading you wherever God is putting you in your ministry of dealing with people or things and so uh, Christ Glorified not himself to be made a high priest. Uh, it wasn't his his uh, chosen uh, occupation, something that he just dreamed about, that he wished about, because he didn't have any uh, priorities. He had a desire to uh, serve the Father according to the Father's will, and that was his priority. And. Um, Then it says, um, now this is important, Uh, Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that saith unto him, now this is another entity now, you have Christ and then you have another entity, but he that saith unto him, Thou art my son. Today, I have begotten thee, so if we were to think in terms of the human you know vernacular and, and the the reference meanings, we would then compose that if this person is saying my son that in the terms that the you use the word son that the meaning that would go along with that and the, and the term and the word that would go along with that uh, would be father, so then it would be appropriate uh, instead of saying you know but he we could say uh, but the father said unto him unto Christ but the father said unto Christ thou art my son today have I begotten thee now we know this thing about only begotten son Okay, Uh, but um, as I have been trying to instruct you, be careful about only this, only that, one, this, two, three, all those things, be careful, be careful that you don't try to be too confident of being that that you exactly know what it is saying. Um, Would it not be interesting there is a father and there is a son but not until the time that this word is being spoken and I think that people have assumed that this is being spoken sometime um, during uh, his adulthood and I think we can find that Uh, as as a case of of, of being implied and so that all the time prior to that moment of adulthood um, he was not being called a begotten son because it says here today have I begotten thee so what Every time in this life of Jesus, of this, say, his evident 33 and a half years on the planet Earth, that it was, when that was spoken, there's a specific application to the today being tied into the begotten. I've begotten you this day. Today you are begotten. I'm going to tell you what I think that that means. We who are into the Othonim faith and we understand that the humans living on this planet, what really makes them different than animals is they not only have spirits as animals have spirits, of which the Bible says the spirit of the animal or the beast goes downward, but the spirit of man goes upward. We understand that as as a clarification of the humans have an eternal spirit, but the animals or the beast have a temporary, a temporary spirit. And we understand that that there is a soul that the animals have And that the humans have. But that kind of a soul is small s, and it just means body. It's talking about the human body or the animal body. So animals have a soul, which is the body, and they have a spirit. But what they do not have is a spirit soul, capital S, which is something entirely different than the soul body and the spirit soul is a birthright and this birthright is something that we all have because we pre-existed being on this earth we lived before in another form as a different entity and that is why we have that soul, we had that soul, before ever coming down into the, dis- the descending uh, subduction zone of this Tartaru Earth. So, we also know that the, the shock, the effect, of our mind, which was so in- tremendous, so incredible, when it was put into the human brain and the human s- spirit being limited by the human anatomy, that it was put into a state of not being able to remember things that had to do with the prior life so the bible calls this place the, you know um, the, the land of forgetfulness the land of lost memories and that's the fact but we do know that there are people that in the course of their regenerating that suddenly Do begin to come into remembrance of who they were prior to being here on earth. And I want to share with you that at this moment, at this moment, when God was speaking, when God the Father was speaking to the Son, Jesus Christ, He said, Today I have begotten thee. Because at that moment, He recognized. That Jesus in his presence and in his speaking suddenly came into the to the fullness of the understanding <clears throat> not that he didn't have some understanding to quite an extent even when he was 12 years old in the temple but he came into this fullness of the understanding of this whole thing of the prior life and the mission and Jesus said, "Now I've begotten you. I've got you back in the in the in your memory. I have you back. You are begotten." And at that time, uh, there wasn't uh, anyone else that had been uh, descended into the fallen state of a human body. Uh, that had really ever gotten back into full memory people had pieces and parts and and dabs of, of memory about their prior life but not in the sense that Jesus received it and it was a, a total restoration of memory and a begottenness and he at that time was the only begotten son because of that event that happened just like when he talked about that there was going to be a time that the Son of Man would be glorified. And and after uh, Judas did his thing uh, of of, of, uh, setting his mind, and the Bible says Satan entered him, uh, then the scripture says, you know, Jesus knew that now he would be glorified. And he had not been glorified before, just like he had not been begotten before. And those were things that would happen to him, and they were divine, and they were sacred, and they were special. So he was going to be begotten, and he was going to be uh, glorified. And, and those were events that had a tremendous power of imbuement. Okay, now let's go on. That's just one scripture. <laughs> okay. All right, and so we're in Hebrews 5. Um, we're in Hebrews 5 for any of you people that uh, are here and uh, that are wanting to um, know if you've just come in late uh, and you want to know what's going on. Uh, we're in uh, Hebrews 5 and we just got through reading verse 5. Um, and then... In verse 6, it says, As he saith also, in addition to this thing about the um, revelation of the um, uh, that thou art begotten, he also says, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, the father understood. And at that moment of begottenness that Jesus would remember, that Jesus Christ would know and understand this Melchizedek connection in the fullest sense. And then it sort of starts a new paragraph here. And it says, and it's it's speaking about Jesus Christ. Now, how do we know that it's speaking about Jesus Christ? Well, we have to read a little bit of the verses uh, to identify whether it's talking about Melchizedek or or Jesus Christ. But when we read contextually from verse uh, 7, and we read uh, contextually... um, Like in verse 8, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience. And verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. And then we know that the context here is talking about Jesus Christ. Then we know that. Okay? Okay. So, Now that we know that it's about Jesus Christ, let's read it, because this is quite a revealing uh, uh, number of verses, and there's nothing quite like it anywhere else in the Bible, speaking about Jesus showing his humanness, his mortal side. Uh, Jesus... Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him the Father, who was able to save him. Now, we're being told here that being the only begotten Son and being on this mission, even as a priest, wasn't just a piece of cake it had a lot of difficulty to it it had the whole thing of overcoming human emotions it it had this whole thing about uh, genetics Uh, it had this whole thing about um, many different aspects of human character and here we see that Jesus Christ, in the days of his flesh, is offering up prayers and supplications. Not just prayers, supplications. So, supplications are like, instead of just a prayer for God to help me, or... or. Um, or praying for someone else for their deliverance, uh, supplication is sort of like a presentation uh, and and uh, a, um, a a promise of the intent of the person uh, that if God would hear the prayers, uh, this is what they want to do, to use their life for, or want to to uh, put their energy onto, and and he says supplications with strong crying and tears. Now anyone knows that there is a place in the emotions of the human life that when a person really is touched in the deep chord of their senses and their emotions that tears as a result of crying and especially more voluminous, in the sense of strong crying, just come forth. And what was the supplication about? The supplication was about his mission, his dedication, his destiny, because his destiny was to become a savior. But how could he become a savior if he himself was not saved? So based on that, he was asking, and his strong crying and tears to the father was that his father was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, verse 8, Though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered now that's a mouthful because what it is saying uh, he didn't want to have a conclusion to his life that did not finish what his destiny was and he had to to learn things, so when we talk like last week, and we give you scripture like in John five twenty through twenty one, that talks about the Father was even teaching and instructing Jesus Christ about how to raise the dead. Hell yes, that's in the Bible. That's actually in John five verses twenty through twenty one, and when we were talking about things like that. It's justified by the word. It's verified by the word. And so we see that that um, though he were a son, he yet had, even with his memory of who he was and his destiny, he yet had to to learn obedience, and he learned those by the things he suffered. Now you would think that Jesus just would have automatically been obedient, and you might wonder when um, he took off to the temple without informing his mother and and dad, his earthly mother and dad, uh, where he was going. How obedient that that may or may not have been. Uh, he, he, you know, it's sort of like doing the right thing the wrong way, and and uh, so those things are are all. Of a nature that we would not have been able to understand, that there was times in his life, from his youth up, uh, that he had to learn obedience. That it wasn't just a natural for him. It wasn't just a cinch. He had to learn it, and he didn't necessarily learn it until, by the things he suffered, he learned it, which is in verse eight. Then in verse nine and be made perfect now perfect doesn't mean the perfect ultimate perfection there are many different levels of perfection and you cannot become ultimately perfect in the human body because the bible says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven so there is a level of perfection that you can reach in the the, physical body but that level is only a level of perfection and being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him And, of course, we know that the very word um, Jesus uh, means salvation. And we know that the word salvation is tied into the word salvage. So we know that there was an intelligence there. There was a, a remembrance of what the mission was. And he was to write the book on it. He was to write the book. He was to be the author of it. And and this salvation was to include, incorporate the salvage of those who had fallen and were fatal messengers, living in human bodies, absence of their divine memories, living in the land, the land of forgetfulness. And then after having said that, verse 9, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And I want you to get this verse. This next verse is very important. Very important. I, I have to read verse 10 again. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, what a name. Of whom? Of whom who? Of whom Melchizedek? Of whom we have many things to say regarding Melchizedek. We have many things to say that are hard. Are difficult to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Now he's writing to some believers, he's writing to a church group, but that doesn't mean that they are not dull of hearing. They obviously were dull of hearing. And he was saying, oh there's so many things to say, so many things. Now there's a whole bunch of things that Paul does write and does say. And we're going to go right on through like uh, a good part of chapter 7. But we have to take it for granted that he doesn't say, "I have many things to say and it's hard to be uttered and... They're difficult to say them because you're hard of hearing. We have to probably conclude from that that he does not address all of the things, but only a part of them, because he is recognizing that they have a problem being able to hear and to accept or understand or all of those things. And and using the wisdom that would come along with that knowledge of knowing the state of people, he would... He would uh, Deal with it accordingly. And then here's another a word, uh, a causation word, another word, <clears throat> for, for, or like because, when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, And are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Now this is the incredible thing that uh, comes up later in the next chapter that is so important. And you need to take note that I am uh, crossing that uh, uh, subject bridge right now. Because he said, um, you know, he said, uh, you should be teachers. But you're not teachers. How come? Why are you not teachers? Well, the reason some of these people uh, had not become teachers is because in the workshops that they were attending, or and I don't want to name any names, we're not into that, but whatever they were doing, they were just into a repeating episode. If it was third grade, they were just staying in third grade, not going beyond it. And there is something about uh, just reiterating uh, the same level of uh, knowledge and not graduating and going on uh, that actually begins to dull that knowledge because uh, you lose the first interest that I- you were inspired with when you heard the new uh, teaching and the new knowledge and you, wow that's exciting and, and, and you know it, 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 it prepped you up but after you keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it uh, I- you lose the interest and, and it becomes dull. And this is what was happening to them. And so he says, in verse 12, uh, we're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12, for any of you people that are coming on a little later here, Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So it's sort of like a going backwards. They went backwards to needing milk because they had lost the sacred edge. They had lost the the allurement of the oracle. It says for for because everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. Now we love babies. We love children. Babies are beautiful and they're sweet. But if you had a child, a baby... And you were a young person, maybe even a still a teenager, or just a little past twenty. And after ten years, your baby was still a baby, still needing diaper changed, still needing uh, a bottle of milk. You would get concerned. Because as much as you love that baby, you would want the fulfillment of what that child was about. The rest of the story, the rest of the message. You want to see that... Baby grow up and become a toddler, and then a child, and 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 then eventually, you know, uh, grow up to being a teenager, and uh, then be able to do all the things that as as uh, a child grows from a babe uh, is is able to uh, achieve and to do, and you would become. Very upset if after ten years the baby had not changed, even though you love that baby very much, because you would realize something was not right. And Paul is addressing it in that sense. You know, uh, there's a time. That you've got to move on from the babe. From, the, from being nourished by the milk. There's a time, verse 14, that you need to move into the strong meat that belongs to them of full age. There is an importance of moving into full age of the revelation of God. Full age of the skillful things that belong to the teachings of the deep word. So it says but strong meat belongeth to them now I want you to get the use of that word belongeth ladies and gentlemen my dear uh, friends who are listening here today may I so stress this word that it has vibration in your mind but strong meat belongeth to them that are full age this is your destiny this is something that belongs to you this is something that is your right to have you don't ever get into a conclusion regardless who tells you that that you don't need to get into these deep things just keep into the simple Simon stuff because that's contrary to what the Bible teaches the Bible makes it clear that you can't stay in milk you can't stay a babe That the deep word, the, the, the strong word, the strong need, belongs to you. It is your right. It is your destiny. It incorporates the very instructions that shows you the path to the Garden of Eden. It shows you the path to God. That shows you the power of restoration. It belongs to you. My dear friend, it belongs to you. This strong meat, this deep word, these profound revelations belong to you. Belong to you. They are your destiny. And it says it clearly right here. Let's read this again. Chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 14. The strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Coming into this deeper word, this strong meat, has the effect of exercising your senses. Not only so that you have abiding knowledge of many different things on these many different levels 30, 60, 100-fold insights. But additionally it is so important because it helps you to be able to discern both what is good and what is evil. And a person would not expect that to show up here. Uh, as a phase that could be expected that belongs to you in your moving up into the skillfulness of understanding the word and the strong meat that belongs to you not only helping you with insights to things of God but on your path which is your road to God? <coughs> being able to discern both what is good and what is evil. <coughs> All right. Now we're going to go right to um, chapter six of Hebrews. And someone will say, "Now, are, are, are we are we talking on the you know the, the subject of the two witnesses?" Well, we certainly are. But one of the witnesses, as we taught in our other, um, you know, uh, teachings of uh, uh, on the broadcast, one of the witnesses was Melchizedek. So now we're singling out Melchizedek, and we're wanting to expound upon this thing of Melchizedek, because it is profound that you have that knowledge. Profound that you have that. So, here we go. Chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore. Now, whenever you see words like that, when you see wor- words like for, therefore, um, those are very important words. And they're, they have to do with causations. The cause, the reason. Therefore. Therefore what? We're not just starting anew here. Therefore, because of all these things that has just been written, that has just been read to you, that has just been taught to you, because of those things, therefore, leaving, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. I tell you, I do believe that if you went to uh, if you went to the average if you went to the average society call it a church call it a meeting place call it whatever you want and they were into this thing about you know the simple type of teachings and all of that not moving on just sort of reiterating and you mentioned about you felt that you were to leave leave L-E-A-V-E leave the principles not just the minor minors but you were to leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ because unless you did do that you could not go on to perfection So what do you think it means when, in the ninth verse of the 5th chapter of Hebrews, speaking of Jesus, and being made perfect, he became, became, don't get the idea that he always was, he became the author of eternal salvation. That didn't happen till he be, he entered this level of perfection. This level of remembrance. This level of obedience. Therefore, chapter 6, verse 1, Hebrews, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. When you put that into the, the divide between the The abstract and the actuation in the figure like the figurative reality being the the doctrines of of principles by Jesus Christ. And then you put it into this abstract at first because it's a general word, and you don't really know what all is entailed in the meaning of that word, how much labor it represents, how many miles it represents, what the depth of it is, the measurement of it is, let us go on to perfection, the word perfection. Now let's read this. This is so important. So important. And don't forget verse 11 of chapter 5. Of whom I have many things to say of Melchizedek, I have many things to say, but it's difficult for you to hear it. And why was it? Because they, they had lost their, their excitement, their drive, because they had just been into a repeat of the simplistic things, and they were being cozy with it, <clears throat> not having to strain their brain, not having to even think about it. And they were becoming dull. Because they were losing interest without even understanding to the extent that they were losing interest. And because of that, it was preventing them from going on and leaving the milk and going in to the strong meat. Which is the power of of, uh, teaching a person to be skillful. So that your senses are exercised, according to the 14th verse that we read, and you're able to know these things, plus being able to discern between good and evil. Now, therefore, because of all of those things, leaving... The principles of the doctrines of christ who how many people are going to accept that how many people are going to believe that you say to him you're going to have to leave the the doctrines you know the the principal doctrines of jesus christ you're going to have to leave them they're going to say oh, get behind me you devil get behind me saying i wouldn't believe that for one minute Well, Paul taught that. Oh, I I don't believe Paul taught that. Paul wouldn't have taught taught something like that. Oh, really? Well, let's read something here in in chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Let's go on to perfection. You can't get one with the other. You have to go on. Therefore, leaving the babyhood. Let us become a man. And Paul brings that out in later scripture. You know? He, t- he talks about, you know, uh, um, laying aside those things that, that belong to the childish faith and becoming a man. Putting away those toys. You have to move on to, to this spiritual manhood. All right. So it says, Therefore, leading the principles of the doctrine of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Let let us just see the splintering effect of even if we use building or a a foundation. If you lay a foundation of concrete, And then instead of building your house on that foundation with the standard way of building, you decided to pour the foundation again, and you kept doing that. After a while, you would be in a terrible uh, fix of not really being able to, to build a proper house. Because... Uh, you had a thing that is, in some ways is similar to cancer. Cancer gets into the cells and it just, it, it starts ca- causing the cells, instead of being able to differentiate their different orders, to just keep repeating the one thing until they just have these clusters, uh, you know, these, these uh, something like a boil, you know, it, it, it's a lump, and it's just a repeat of the same thing. Uh, there's a cancer mentality uh, to just repeating things, and that in no way is putting anyone down uh, that has cancer. It's just explaining something that does happen to the body and something that does have a parallel uh, to this thing about not going on to perfection, uh, not heeding the call for the strong meat. So I said, you know, not laying again, he said, let's go on to perfection, but let's not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God now then he starts to explain and this is the shocking surprising thing what these doctrines of Christ are that he's telling you to to, to leave and, and, and to lay aside of verse 2 Chapter six of the doctrine of baptisms. You've got the Holy Spirit baptism, you've got the water baptism. Wow, you mean that's part of it? Saying leaving the principle of the doctrines of Christ includes the doctrines of the baptisms? Yes, once once you've been baptized in water, you don't need <coughs> to be preached. Uh, to over and over again about the baptism, it's already happened to you. Once you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to have that teaching again. You've already got it, you've already passed the goal, you've accomplished it. And the laying on of hands wow! This could be the laying on of hands, you know, for even healing. It could be the laying on the hands for, for anointing, uh, for the uh, presbytery. And the teaching of the resurrection. Yeah, but the resurrection hasn't even happened yet. Why would you not keep teaching on it? Because once you have been trained on the subject and you understand what it is, then you need to get finished with that subject and move on to the next so the resurrection of the dead there's a place that you need to go beyond that and eternal judgment oh whoa wait that's that's huge that's all the stuff that's going to happen in the future well yes yes but even that is part of the doctrines of Jesus Christ uh, which the scripture says leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ leaving them it's not Jerry Lee that is saying this; it's this Bible that is teaching it. So, so don't get angry at me. Understand, it's the Bible that's teaching it, and the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And then this is the scripture. That makes it so that you can understand what he's really saying. And this we will do if God permit. This we will do if God permit. Now, what he is saying, you have to use reason on this subject. This doesn't mean that these principles are expelled from your, your knowledge or from your memory, or from uh, the the times that you may need to teach these to new people that don't know them. But it does mean that there are reasons why God might not permit a person to leave the first principles. We're going to get into some heavy stuff here. It's coming up here. It's heavy. Now I hope you can hang on to all this. And don't jump ahead of me. When I'm talking like this, give me the time to show the whole reasoning behind it before you decide that I'm meaning something different. I'm not stupid. I'm not saying that now we don't ever talk about the Holy Spirit or the laying on hands or the resurrection. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that. I'm saying as far as learning it, we don't need to keep going to training sessions on it. We understand there would be new people come in that need to be taught that. But we get back to the will of God. God permitting us to teach those things to the right people and the right time for the right purpose. And then we have another word here in verse 4. For, for, it is impossible, now this is really an important scripture here. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame Wow, is that ever a mouthful That is a mouthful That is a mouthful it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they fall away if they backslide, whatever you want to call it to be able to renew them again by repentance seeing they've crucified Christ afresh Now, how do we believe this? Because if you believe it the way it seems to be saying it, they would certainly seem to fit in here. That their fall away was something that could not be sufficed. By repentance but of course that is assumption names all of these doctrines you're to leave and yet you're sort of still supposed to do these things if you're permitted under certain circumstances by God and now the culmination and now the reasoning and now the causation for it's impossible For those who were once enlightened, what does this next statement in verse 4, 5, and 6 have to do with verse 1, 2, and 3? They would seem to not even be connected. They would seem to not even be connected. But they are connected. They are connected. And when you understand contextually how they are connected... It is so important. It is so important. What it is saying, there is a time that you have to leave these principles. You have to reach a point. If you're going to go on to perfection, you have to leave them in a sense, not forsaking the doctrine, but forsaking the training. You have to already have accomplished that and have learned and have been approved for it. And until you are approved... Of of that, you can't then go on to the deeper word because if you go on to the deeper word, uh, you are not ready for it. Because, as it said in the 13th chapter, uh, everyone that uses milk is unskillful. In the word of righteousness, and strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, so if you are not in those uh, um, uh, sequential uh, arrivals of of knowledge, then you are are he- held back you're in a sense forbidden to go forward because when you hear these strong uh, things, when you hear this deep word, it'll just turn you off. And it'll make you think that that is false, because you are not ready for it, and and and, and you are also not approved for it. You, you need to be approved, you know, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. That's an approval that you need to have. Wow. And until you have that, then you're just not ready. And that's what it means. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you get this chance, and if you goof up, you're done. You know, you can't apply this repentance again. It does not mean that. It does not say that. If that's the case, the scripture in Isaiah that says, all Israel will be saved. And, and the scriptures that say come back to me uh, throughout the, the prophets would all be contra to this very verse but it's telling and showing the importance of before we go on to these deep things we need the spiritual approval uh, which will come as a witness inside of each person that you are ready that you are hungry that, that you are open to hear these deeper things uh, because you know they belong to you they belong to you wow okay now um, uh, let's uh, let's skip down to uh, I'm looking at, at, at the time here a little bit and I'm just really stunned because uh, uh, I, just, I just I just have so much to share and it's just so very important uh, there's no way we're going to get done uh today, or probably even next week. This is probably going to end up being five different uh, sessions. Uh, But I'll tell you what, by the time you get through these five sessions, you are going to be up the road. You're going to know some things. Chapter 6, verse 13, and when God made promise to Abraham, because he could could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater. It doesn't mean, now this is tough, that there was not a greater, but there was no greater available. Because you've got the ultimate God who never leaves the first domain. And then you have the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost which are out here in the world doing ministry obviously have left the first domain and that is so very very important and so there comes a time when even in your highest echelon of spirituality um, you are called upon uh, to make a definite article type of statement and I don't know that the right word is to say you swear it, but uh, to uh, be distinctive in characterizing its pronouncement would probably be a better spiritual way of saying it. And because it's so important, in this case, we're dealing with Abraham and the whole teaching of Abraham's bosom. And Abraham's bosom is going to be involved in the time, time and a half times that's going to carry on throughout the ages and the generations, all of the way uh, through uh, through seventy to eighty thousand generations of, of lifetimes, as it teaches it in the in the in the in the, in the Bible in Psalms. Psalms 105. Psalms 90. And so, when you're looking at something that important, then you have to be sure that it's characterized by the absolute distinction that it deserves and that you have the power to authorize that. And of course, that was the case. And then what was said was, saying blessings surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you there's two mentions here one is blessing and the other is multiplying and what it means is that there is a a a, a carry-on that is that is in continuation as a thing that God does, He is always blessing. He is always teaching the art of mental multiplication of knowledge and wisdom, and even of both spiritual and physical attributes. But now He's saying, I'm applying it to you. In recognizing that my blessings carry on, and that my multiplying carries on, I am applying it to you. And that is so beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. We know God heals. We know God saves. Through Jesus Christ, we know. These things are actuated that they actually literally happen we've seen them happen to people but there comes a time when you need those things to specifically and individually happen to you you need to, to, to be the participant that gets the direct blessing the participant that gets the direct multiplication of knowledge of answers of what to do, when to do, how to do, you need that personal uh, impartation. And we need to understand that. Wow. And then it goes on, and so after he, meaning Abraham, had patiently endured and Jesus said, He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. He obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. For in God, this is verse 17 of chapter, of chapter 6, wherein God willingly more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsels confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things one being the blessings two being the multiplying that it was impossible for God to lie that once God had made a direct promised to you individually that it was sealed regardless of you regardless of circumstances regardless of anything that could ever happen once God has declared that's going to be a blessing to you and a multiplication upon you that is where the fulfillment of that scripture that says it's so an incredible, wondrous scripture. It tells us that that our gifts that we get are without repentance. Once we have been designated and anointed for a ministry, for a gift of anointing it is an indelible thing God is going to get that to you and you can see all kinds of cases in the Bible in which uh, David and, and, and Solomon and different ones were promised things and in spite of their errors and their sins and their iniquities they had that promise upon them because God had promised it and it says because God can not lie that is part of the immutability of his counsel and his promise and that's been confirmed by his oath of promise Wow Wow it's the anchor of the soul as it describes it in the 19th verse. So then it goes to verse 20. Whether the forerunner for us is entered. Now we're back to that verse we covered in the beginning. Even Jesus, you know, whether the the proxy for us is entered. Even Jesus made a high priest. Even Jesus made a high priest. Priest to the intent of being one mind by destined succession to Melchizedek. Wow, end of chapter 6. Then we go to, to chapter 7. And we'll, we'll go into this a little bit. For this Melchizedek, notice the four causation for this Melchizedek to whom you are re- referring to in the 20th chapter verse of chapter 6 for forever after the order of Melchizedek for that Melchizedek is a king of Salem which is the old word that was used for Jerusalem 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 is the original name of the city and it was, it, was, it was the location of that city on Mount Moriah where there was this descendant city not made by hand that when Abraham left Ur that he went looking for through Canaan trying to find that city whose maker and foundations were of God. And he did find that city after he met Melchizedek. And there's scripture for that, but we don't have time to get into that right now. Wow. And so Abraham had a wonderful thing happen to him because he found Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was tied into this very broad, expansive opening of Abraham's mind and spirituality. And... Because of its incredible extent, Abraham did something that was amazing. For this Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God who met Abraham Abraham who was returning from the slaughter of the kings and he blessed him because he understood what his mission was about to restore his own family to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all to Melchizedek, who by interpretation is called the king of righteousness and after that the king of Salem which is the king of peace now have the name Melchizedek. And some will say, well, Melchizedek just means Melchizedek. No, it doesn't. It means a whole lot more than that. By interpretation, the term in the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. By interpretation, the name Melchizedek means king of Salem, king of Jerusalem. But Salem was that ancient city of God that came down like a crystal pyramid. By interpretation, Melchizedek means king of father, pardon me, king of peace. By Melchizedek, the interpretation means without father, Without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, or, but, or like the Son of God, abideth the priest continuously. Now this is a very important verse and I need to explain this. I want to at least get through a little of this stuff before we put this off till next week. First off, Abraham was paying tithes, and Abraham, of course, was the father in in his vows, the the Bible teaches, of Levi, and, um, in fact, the Bible says that, that, um, in the fifth verse, uh, um, you know that, uh, and, and so forth. Yeah. In the fifth verse, it says um, that that Levi was in the loins of Abraham. Uh, to get the fullness of that, you have to read probably a little bit more on. But <clears throat> this thing of tithing through Moses' ministry was to become a thing that happened by the eleven tribes who were brothers of each other and brothers of, of the of, of Levi but were to by the designation of Levi and their office of ministry to give them a tenth. And so it was something that was that was in a sense sacred and reserved for the Levitical priesthood. But particular priesthood which was an everlasting priesthood was recognized right then on that time at that day by Abraham that it was greater than anything that was in, in the charts to come forth as far as the Levitical priesthood he understood it was greater than that and he paid tithes to this this name this incredible mysterious name Melchizedek which when you begin to interpret it can mean king of righteousness king of Salem king of peace without father, without mother, without descent having neither beginning of days nor end of life now what what is that talking about? what is that talking about? what that's talking about is that Melchizedek was not any part of the offspring of Abraham and that Melchizedek's lineage did not belong to any of the seed that was going to come forth of Abraham. Did, did not belong to the folds that were here on earth. Jesus said, I have sheep that are not of this fold. He was talking about a group that were not part of the Abrahamic seed of which that Abrahamic seed was to involve offspring that that was involved with the, with like the world but this person was involved with some other sheep and there was no genetics. There was no fathering. There, there was no uh, mother. No, no uh, descent uh, into uh, that uh, uh, life of of days and and end of life. Uh, but it had a continuum of eternal priesthood, which was equal to what was also given to Jesus Christ. And that alone is an incredible revelation. Because it's a revelation of this other fold. Sheep of the other fold. The the Enochs we call them. That were taken up. That were taken up to to, uh, the Father's house. And, And Jesus understood that. He came into the memory and he understood it. And he said that the day is coming. When I will send my angels. After all of this... The, the, the time has passed and and it's time for the end of things I will send my angels and they will go to the four corners of the world and that means to the four kinds of humankind not just the the uh, spiritual Israel or physical Israel but to the four corners to the four winds to 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 the four rivers uh, to the four kinds of humankind on the planet and I'll send my angels and will draw these people that are going to be uh, saved uh, and and, uh, they're going to to, some people call it rapture they're going to rapture them away of course most people don't even understand that subject of rapture they don't have it right at all but Jesus said that's going to happen and it's going to happen just like it happened in the days of Noah this wasn't the first time that there was a gathering uh, the, the first time that uh, the angels were sent to to draw up uh, and save people it happened before it happened in the days of Noah and that's right and that's when the sons of Enoch including Melchizedek who was alive in the year of the flood were taken up to the Father's house where Jesus says I'm going back to I'm going to the Father's house it's a physical place it's not the heaven of heavens Wow. Wow. Now when it says in verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, someone says that's talking about Jesus Christ. You don't know that. In fact, who it's really talking about there is Adam. Somebody said, "Well, Adam's up to Son of God." Yes, he is. Yes, he is. It says so right in the Bible, and we need to know our Scripture, and we need to know when these uh, you know things are mentioned, that uh, how that they apply. Because if you don't know how they apply, you, you miss the understanding of the whole revelation. It's very, very important. To understand the whole, you know this this beautiful revelation uh, that the Word of God has, and so if in the third chapter of the book of Luke and the thirty-eighth verse it says, in the lineage leading to Mary to Christ, which was the son of Enos, which Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam which was the son of God Adam was the son of God the son of God so we understand that it was Christ who in the Sabbath breathed the soul into to Adam, sold Adam and so even when you talk of of the one being Adam, you are also talking of the two being Jesus Christ, who sold him. But not in the name Jesus Christ, which was the name of a, of a physical uh, individual, uh, but in the name of the same soul spirit of that person. Wow. Verse 4. Now consider how great this man was that is a challenge to you and to me and to everyone and is 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 being said that we need to do that now consider how great how great this man melchizedek was under whom even the patriot as great as abraham was gave a tenth of the spoils and verily they that are the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren though they come out of the loins of Abraham but he's whose descent is not counted from them not part of their descent received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises and without all contradiction the less Abraham is blessed of the better Melchizedek and here men that die receive tithes but there he receiveth them of whom it is written it is witnessed he liveth forever and as I may so say get hold of this as I may so say Levi also who receiveth tithes, paid tithes, in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father Abraham when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, after the order of Melchizedek, and not be called after the order of Aaron, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change of the law. Wow. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe. For after for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there rises another priest Who is made not after the law of carnal commandments, but after the power of an endless life? For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And you know what? I'm going to stop there. We're going to have to continue next week. There is so much more to say and to teach you about Melchizedek and some incredible teachings but I think all these things that I've given you today are very important and for you people that are interested in the Melchizedek mind and the Melchizedek nation and the Melchizedek covenant in the understanding of of all of these things how important they are how that when in second corinthians thirteen one it says uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses that god will verify every word and interesting it's not in the mouths of two or three witnesses or in the testimonies of two or three witnesses it's the singular mouth and the singular testimony depending on which version you're reading and there's three witnesses that are involved in the reference of that one singular word and by these things we're just beginning to see the mergings how that even when we're talking about a man and a wife Ephesians 5.31 says a wife and and they the man and the wife, and they two shall be one flesh, two become one, and two can become three, but not in the same ses- session or sense that the it is saying there, but in a spiritual sense. wow, oh there's much more.